This podcast was recorded during the 2023 WGA and SAG-AFTRA strikes. Without the labor of the writers and actors currently on strike, the television and movies being covered here would not exist. We stand with the writers and actors and support their call for equitable and fair treatment for everyone in the industry. You can support those on strike by making a donation at entertainmentcommunityfund.org, which will go to a writer, actor, or other entertainment worker in need. Hello, Riverdale gang. Hi, gang. Welcome back to the Watch Long Critical Commentary podcast, uh, where we watch and usually promote and encourage and say good things about uh, the show Riverdale. That's difficult right now. It sure is. Not because of Riverdale, for once. No, that's true. For once, it's not their fault. <laughs> no, indeed. Um, Riverdale is shot on the unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations, as well as the surrounding areas, uh, specifically um, uh, out in Chilliwack, the Stalo nation, I believe, and the Hunkaminum-speaking peoples as well. Um, probably a little shot on Sawasan territory as well. Uh, we're coming to you from uh, Tuminus and Snunewuch territory. Mm-hmm. Um, I finally get to be in person with Chloe yeah, and we're, the cats. We're here. For a week. And the cats observe. It's hot, Riverdale gang. Scalding climate apocalypse hot. Yeah. But you know. You know. You know. Um, you will notice at the beginning of this episode, uh, instead of the usual thunderquack lead-in, we have a disclaimer referring to the strike. Yeah. We had um, some real back, back-end conversations about um, whether we should continue the podcast at the moment, in given the status of the strike. Now, uh, Riverdale is uh, an American filmed and made show, and uh, in the vein mm-hmm. of the pulling out from promotions of union members... Um, we talk quite seriously about the, the promotion component of, um, our podcast and fandom. And I think it would be quite disingenuous for me now to say, well, it's not promotion. No, that I'm all about the fandom and the, the, the creative role and capacity of the fandom Mm -hmm. uh, and driving these works. Um, so that's inalienably part of having a fan podcast. Um, uh, but Ultimately, once we uh, are the the best guidelines we could review with our producer Michael and uh, SAG-AFTRA's statements and and advice is that critique um, can and should continue uh, even around solidarity uh, actions. Um, this is all adjacent to us being in Canada with a different set of guilds in the first place. It's very complex, but. Um, I guess to counter, to balance that a little bit, we uh, wanted to take some extra time to share some of these conversations that we've been having ourselves. Yeah, which is why this episode is extra long. Double length even. Yeah. Um, we are going to open today with a interview with a, a special guest who we've uh, spoken to before, um, Annette Riley, who played uh, Diana Spellman in The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Yeah. A wonderful local performer who uh, we were both acquainted with and I've had the pleasure of working with before. And um, we chatted some years ago back in the, I think, really before her main episodes uh, actually released in Sabrina. That's true. Um, It was a long time ago. Yeah. And uh, we talked to her for uh, longer than I thought, almost almost 50 minutes, 50 minutes about the um, realities of the strike in the Canadian market and the BC Vancouver local market in particular. There are some very um, unique and localized circumstances that affect 
this region and this community where so much is films. Um, and it has to do with a lot of long running um, inequities uh, in film and how film is contracted out to places and people. Um, but uh, really excellent update on the practical current standing of Canadian filmmakers um, who are in a much earlier state of negotiating uh, in contract renewal. Yeah, process. and that gives some great perspective. And we do get into um, AI, we get into um, all sorts of different conversations. Um, so we're excited for you to have a listen. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're if you're um, here really for the Ethel mugs and you need to jump ahead, jump fifty minutes ahead, right around the halfway point, you're gonna you're gonna get to our watch along. Um, and but come back and listen to this after when you have yeah. the headspace to uh, engage with. Um, well, for me, it was a great chat about. Yeah, it was the, a good chat. It does get a little realities. dark at the end, but we, um, but yeah. in in the way in the survival way. Yeah, like we, like we always do, gang. Like we always do. <laughs> like we always um, do. Truly, yeah. I accidentally badmouth work. I don't mean to. <laughs> I work for a great company. I really do. Great company. I'm companies. very very lucky to have my job, and I'm grateful for it. And I intend to stay there for many years. Great companies and great people can still only We're not going to name any names within <laughs> the structures and constraints and contracts and norms that are created around them. Even a good actor in a bad union, bad contract situation yeah. can only do so much. So your best intentions, that's why we need better basic protections. But um, we're going to say that all again and more uh, over with Annette. Um, let's jump to that. Yeah. Hi, Annette. Oh, hi. <laughs> hi. How's it going? <laughs> functional. Yeah, definitely <laughs> functional. That's my line these unlike days. I'm the getting state, by. Yeah, unlike the state of labor action in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, which, you know, I, I I think this point was coming for from a long time ago. So it's uh, it's kind of Since... nice to see people taking action. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. When I say functional, I mean uh, non-functional on the studio side. I don't mean on the labor <laughs> organizing side. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the capitalist funding systems yes. are collapsing underneath them. Isn't that um, and wonderful? <laughs> <laughs> we, everyone wants capitalism to collapse until it collapsed under you. So is rub. Well, not everyone. You remember, I'm from Alberta, so. Yeah. <laughs> There's always oil. Well. <laughs> yeah. I, well, womp, womp. It, did we mention it was the hottest month on record uh, across the globe ever? So on fire. Yeah. Oh, were you there during the smoke season this spring? Uh, here in Vancouver? Uh, no, in Alberta. In Alberta. No, we, yeah, I, I came back May. right, you know, it's very interesting. Yeah. My nephew uh, had just decided he was going to become a mm. uh, a firefighter. Uh, it, oh my gosh. For, forest firefighter specifically. Yeah. And he was going for training um, yeah. right uh, and this is my my sister who passed away. It's her son, and mm. uh, he was supposed to go for training the week after she passed. Mm. So they delayed that a little bit. But as basically yeah. within a month, he was out there fighting fires. Holy and, cow! Yeah, Literal trial by fire. Yeah, yeah, um, for, yeah. For context, for non Canadians in the room, uh, Canada's had the most wildfire uh, space or the largest wildfire la by land on record this year. Listen, um, the Americans know. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's true. Not, They've been inhaling the smoke. 
Yeah. Y'all are all ahead of us on wildfires, California. Yes. We got you. Solidarity. Yeah. Solidarity that, California. But also, I feel like, yeah, as Annette said, they've been inhaling all our smoke. I got a text from my relatives in Philadelphia going like, what's, is everything okay? What's going on up there? No, you know that. You're in Philadelphia. Yeah. Definitely not okay. Uh, we have lots of land to burn, fortunately, but it will eventually run out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Woo. Um, in, in less bleak options, um, the massive <laughs> industry shutdown and, and labor action. Um, I'm I'm actually really curious because uh, you, you mentioned that, of course, it's it's um, in Vancouver in Canada. Uh, we're really impacted quite differently. And, um, I, you know, I know we uh, I don't know the nuts and bolts of that, but uh, I know I'm certainly seeing a lot of my community acting in solidarity, but not necessarily a lot of people changing, panicking, panicking and getting day jobs at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. We're in a really interesting point of time right now in this industry. In fact, uh, today specifically is an important day for BC Film uh, because it's the last day for uh, voting within all five of the mm. unions slash guilds. Um, Holy cow. We that. are, we're, well, we're ratifying a vote right now because what has happened is the American producers have offered us a 5% um, increase if we delay our negotiations by a year. And mm. all five of the unions in town have to agree to this. So this is the Teamsters, which are, is transportation. Mm -hmm. It's IOTC 669, which is camera. It's IOTC 891, which is the the majority of the, the trades. Um, mm -hmm. It's UBCP, which is the actors here. And it is uh, DGC, which is the directors and trans or, uh, locations and, and uh, production managers and such. So mm -hmm. we have this major decision to find out if we're going to accept this offer that was given to us. And the reason this offer was, was made was because the DGA down in the States, the Directors Guild of America, um, went to the into their negotiations and they managed to come out with a new contract uh wow. and it was a it was yeah it was a five percent increase and so um i mean who knows what the <laughs> what the motivation was from the producers uh to then offer that to the rest of us but up here in bc uh but we do uh, we feel it was probably just to buy them some negotiation time because they knew that there was potentially a strike going to be happening with the with SAG down there and the writers had mm. already been striking for a month month and a half at that point so there's a there's a lot of of unrest and right now the industry in BC is for lack of better words quite dead <laughs> really okay mm. yes yeah we've got the last I heard and please like fact check me um this is just rumor from within i haven't checked the production list uh 12 productions are filming right now where we're normally at about 50 sometimes more mm -hmm. sometimes wow. a little less yeah yeah that's so a trickle that's an 80 percent reduction or so mm -hmm. how much of that is the recession oh very mm -hmm. little that it, it, it we went from like what's filming right now is canadian Oh, produced okay. stuff um the the majority 
of the American produced content had end dates for June 30th, essentially. Mm. Okay. Uh, right. So in alignment with the American guilds. Yes. Mm. So that they would be done production up here before any of this unrest happened. And right. in the event that SAG went on strike, uh, it, it would be, they, they would be done filming up here. Because oh, I see. Oh, okay. We have uh, – BC labor laws are really unique. This is actually why we have a specific mm -hmm. actor union here that um, – we're sister union with ACTRA, which is mm -hmm. uh, a sister union of AFTRA, which is uh, <laughs> down in the States. Um, but up here in Canada, in BC, because our labor laws are so specific, we couldn't actually be a part of ACTRA which is the rest of the oh. Canadian actors. Mm -hmm. oh, interesting. So we, yeah, it is. Oh. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, and that's why we have this Toronto-Vancouver split. Yes. Oh. And the rest of the actors in Canada actually get paid 9% more than, than BC performers. <laughs> yes. I yeah. It, because of uh, negotiation power and such. And uh, UBCP has, has stood their ground against the, producers before and uh were punished for it pretty severely <laughs> mm. uh last time there was some pretty big uh unrest and uh we had we took a really big hit that year as far as our nego negotiations went so we're quite far behind mm. the the standard because of that so this five percent increase right. for the union actors in bc is actually pretty tasty Right, like it's a it's a nice mm. little carrot. Uh, but Everyone will feel rate bump. From yeah, that. yeah. But the thing is, small. actors, um, and I I say this <laughs> because I'm an actor and I I know how things how we think. Um, we often think with our hearts rather than our brains. <laughs> <laughs> how we became actors? <laughs> actors, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's our job. We're it's our job to feel things. So I think there the feeling, the general feeling that I'm reading from my fellow actors in Vancouver is that they want to stand in solidarity with their their American um, brothers and sisters. So they don't want to do anything or take any steps that would compromise SAG's position right now. So mm -hmm. it's been okay. it's been a really really fascinating last couple of weeks as mm -hmm. all the different unions and guilds and towns have been figuring out which way to go as far as this acceptance and all of them have to agree or none of them get it. Hmm. Oh, that's that's an interesting hard pressure tactic mm -hmm. which oh, no. seems like it's telling that it's a bad deal for us. <laughs> you don't strong arm a sweet deal. Well, yeah, I think it it does feel like it's manipulated to pit the unions against each other mm -hmm. because if there's someone's a holdout then it becomes Right. Sorry for the pun. I know that it's this is a performance <laughs> industry it becomes drama. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. You know, it, be, it becomes yeah, it becomes mm -hmm. it becomes fighting among the ranks, which I imagine is sort of what the studios want to a certain extent. I have a very like I have a very negative opinion of bosses, broadly yeah. speaking. So well, yeah, and I mean, labor I... belongs to the laborer. That's my attitude. So that's partly why my my bias is showing a little. <laughs> I I think I'm right there with you. Um, 
I appreciate the fact that this is show business and there is that mm-hmm. aspect of money making behind it. And and there has been historically, that is what the business is about ever since uh, about 1920s, actually, if we want to get into some film history here. Um, back mm, when always. men discovered that film could be uh, a way to make money. And there is actually, there is such a huge amount of women in film prior to about 1920. Um, mm. And then once, yeah, once once the Great War was over, men came back and there was, uh, there was this changing of the guard, essentially, where a bunch of producers started going, oh, hmm, yeah, we can make money here with these moving pictures. Huh? See? And they decided to uh, take over all these positions, basically kicked women mm. out or made them... Um, What's it called when you're like a shadow writer, but not it, oh, women writing? Yeah, yeah. So women yeah. were still writing, but they weren't right being credited for things. Wow, I didn't know any of that. Yeah, doctoring. yeah, yeah. There kind was of a, there mm-hmm. was a lot of female directors in the nineteen uh, like nineteen early nineteen hundreds, the first two centru- mm-hmm. uh, decades of the nineteen hundreds, and um, by nineteen. 19- I think 21, there was like maybe 4% of, of films Mm. were being directed by women. And that number held pretty true until current times. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's my feminist rant. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. And that, um, that really hammers home for me, the, the recency of all of this, um, this industry and these, these norms that we treat as norms are, uh, you know, 1920 to 1960, which is, um, 1960 is the last time several, several American guilds were on strike at the Mm -hmm. same time, the last big labor negotiation in, in Hollywood specifically. Um, and that's, that's 40 years and then since 1960, that's 50, 53 years. Like, that's a, roughly the same gap we're looking at of these mm. extraordinary changes. And each of those are, you know, a generation or two. That's Absolutely. really quite recent. And honestly, I think if it hadn't been for, uh, like, I, I I do think that the 2008 writer's strike mm-hmm. was probably when this all should have happened initially um mm. uh, where all of uh, all of the laborers really banded together because that's when mm. streaming was just starting right. but we were convinced as yeah. as the laborers we had the wool pulled over our eyes and we were told no it's this form that's not going to take on much much steam it's okay don't worry we'll keep fairly low contracts for this because there won't be much of it and you know it's new media well Mm -hmm. here we are in 2023 and i can tell you right now that there is still a section of the ubcp agreement master agreement about Mm. new media this ain't (laughs) new anymore (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's not new, and it is. It. It's, uh, it's default. It, and yeah, it is the default. It is the majority of the work we're doing as actors. Mm-hmm. We're not getting any residuals on it. We're not getting um, the same type of buyout as we would get on a feature film. Um, and this is in you. This is in BC, where our contracts 
actually pale in comparison to the SAG contracts even. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know I know people look at the SAG actors and they go, oh, well, they're a bunch of millionaires and who cares? And they're not. You know, you, you've yeah. got about yeah. – max. I, I don't know the exact percentage. Someone threw the number out at me many years ago that 2% of actors actually make a living off of their craft. Um, I mm. would wager that it's lower than that, actually. Um, mm. And the if majority we don't count subsidized. If we don't count generational wealth, oh my God. <laughs> right. And how many of those people in that two percent have the generational wealth to begin with? Right. Yeah. yeah like my my grandmother was a working actor, and she was in SAG AFTRA. And I, to, from my perspective, she's probably the average SAG AFTRA member. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like making mm-hmm. your living on commercials, doing theater doing like independent films, being an extra. And that's probably, yes. I would imagine, what what's normal. Mm-hmm. That is very standard. I mean, in in, yeah. in BC here, if you're a working actor, um, you're typically booking three to five gigs a year. And mm-hmm. these are walk-on roles. We're not getting, we're generally speaking, not getting the leads or the guest stars. Uh, guest star position isn't even really an option in our contracts anymore as far as payment huh. goes. Right. So it's, it's been squished out the, the mid-range. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's you know, you might have, you're lucky if you have more than one day on set, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, and the average actor in Vancouver, working actor in Vancouver might be working four to 10 days a year on set. Right. Right. So how, how do we live off of that? Right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, that made like for eight questions for me and I'm trying to pick (laughs) one. Do you have, do you have one in your mind? At this moment? Uh, not yet. No, it's blank now. If I did, it's gone. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I, I guess I'll ask the one that probably popped, I guess, popped into my mind first. With that context, um, I guess this is sort of a personal question, moves away from the strike a little. When you did Sabrina, what type of role was that? And how rare was that? Mm. Well, that, I mean, that type of role was considered... I mean, the rareness, uh, the rarity is, it's quite rare to everybody in my life was like, whoa, you get to be the lead character's mom. This is so cool. You're Mm going to be in so many episodes. And then I I did end up being in, I think, nine episodes uh, across Mm -hmm. the first two seasons. And, um, and, and that's a, that's a lot, right? Like I worked, um, that first, those first two blocks, uh, more than I ever had in one year as an actor, um, mm. th- film at least, not theater. Right. Theater and is in, in that role. <laughs> in yeah, and yeah, that it, one role. It subsidized the short film that I made that year, A Typical Fairy Tale, mm-hmm. um, uh, with Story Hive's help as well. Tell the Story Hive. I had a ten thousand dollar grant from that, but then I put another fifteen thousand into that film because I needed to make it, and it's done wonderful things for me. But it's also just one of those films that I those passion projects that I really needed to to mm-hmm. get made um anyway yeah. it, it it yeah it's uh it's an interesting thing when I like I there's a reason I work as a crew member as well because mm-hmm. I'd say 80 percent of my income 
if not more, depending on the year, is my crew work. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's just that's the work there is quite yeah. often. And um, oh, I should sorry, just just going back there too. What the type of role it was? I was when I was cast, it was an actor role, a non-speaking actor role. Oh, yes, and then and so that monologue you got to <laughs> until then, and then I was upgraded to principal actor. Um, cool, but that technically should have been um, like more of a guest star appearance that one right um at least if that's my feeling on it and mm -hmm. but we had just negotiated up to principal like it was a fight right. to get paid fairly for for that role it mm. really was yeah it, who were those conversations with like how did that like for people who aren't actors who are listening what did that look like negotiating for that pay well i don't as an actor i I am not in the room for that. Um, it's it's a mm. it's a giant game of telephone, basically. Yeah, okay. it's something um, we have to delegate or and hire someone. Yeah, to, and well, they have to hire. It, it's uh, yeah, it's like that's a lawyer game almost. It's the job of the agent, and in in LA they have lawyers specifically for that. Um, so right. I've been on phone calls as crew uh, with the lawyers and the agents mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the managers and everybody getting their their voice. <laughs> heard as the producer in Canada just sits there with their brain spinning. <laughs> it's like, who can out talk each other? <laughs> right. That's who wins. Um, in Canada, it's a little bit different. We don't have our managers. Uh, the lawyers don't really get involved unless it's really important. Um, it's our agents who do the majority of all of this. So mm -hmm. my agent would usually talk to casting. Casting would then talk to the producers. Um, right. And then the producers talk to casting, casting talks to the agent, the agent talks to the actor. <laughs> and then the actor might go, okay, is that all we can do? And then the agent goes, mm, I might be able to push a little harder or yeah, it was like pulling teeth even getting that. So it's, uh, we're very powerless as actors mm -hmm. up here. And not to mention so much of, like it's become the norm to just be paid um, uh, like the standard rate you used to get, mm. you used to be able to get like one and a half times um, the, the rate or, or three times if you were a fairly well-known actor in town. Um, mm -hmm. And nowadays it's like these studios won't budge much when it comes mm. to, right. to giving you a little bit more for that role. And it, it's it, like we've settled settled into a minimum wage culture, exactly in, in our producing. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So I I totally understand um, why SAG is doing this and why the WGA sure. is on strike, and I, I I fully support their reasons behind it. Um, it it's it it needs to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, <laughs> there's part of me, I'm like, I don't want to say too much because what happens if people hear this and, and they hear my, my opinions on this, but like, there's Absolutely. a lot of, as it's a producer, fundamentally intimidating. it really right is. Now. Yeah. But as a producer a in this, this landscape as well, um, you know, I, I have some friends, Canadian producer friends who have made films that have, been sold to American studios um, or distributors and 
that term creative accounting is very real, where all of a sudden there is no money coming out on the back end anymore. Even right. on these wow. like no money deals up front. So it becomes really mm-hmm. it's it's complex and you know, everybody wants a piece of this pie. So now we've got like we've got over the past what decade, it's been Apple, it's been Google, it's been Facebook, it's been all of these mm. big corporations who have no business really making movies. <laughs> That's not their business, but they've stepped no. into the ring. Mm-hmm. And, right. and, and it seems to be more about making money than about making art sometimes, you know? So we kind of find ourselves with with sort of like business person producers in in a big way rather than filmmakers in in any production capacity. I know that that I think that infiltrates a lot of industries and fields like across the board right now. Yes. uh, Uncategorically. But um, I guess the consequence of that um, when we're discussing the needs of, you know, what, what needs to happen for a film to get done and for everyone to be paid fairly at the end. It's yeah. It is a huge disconnect. And I think that's been part of this industry in industry. It's been problematic within the industry for decades and decades where the, the -hmm. people making the decisions are business people and they're, they're coming from financial backgrounds and law backgrounds rather than artistic backgrounds. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I do feel like there's definitely a place for those people in this industry, but I think it needs to be partnered with the creative side. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like within the structure of a production itself, where you have a production manager or a line producer dealing with the money stuff, but then you have your creative mm-hmm. producers and your director and, you know, bringing, bringing the, the extra zhuzhing to the show, right? Mm-hmm. It's, that's mm-hmm. the part that makes and breaks it. It's not, it's not the budget. I mean, the budget makes or break it, but <laughs> but the person who's manning the budget is <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's it's that's a very not- slow think- steered rudder that they're driving. It's not yeah. quite the minutia where you're letting creative people have space to do something creative. Yeah, and I think I think you've hit on something really interesting, which is that like we can all think of films where there was no budget that were creative mm. masterpieces and then also became commercially successful. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. having having the money in line doesn't necessarily mean you've made art. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, exactly. And it, I mean, you can profit. see those you know, 300 million dollar projects that aren't that great you know as far Mm -hmm. as the storyline goes and 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 Mm. the plot and uh, yeah anyway (laughs) I could harp on that for a little while (laughs) so to go back to something you were saying earlier um again about who who exactly the strike is for Mm -hmm. um which actors the strike is really for um how are you feeling about the solidarity from those higher paid actors or does it feel like solidarity like what's your What's your sort of feel on on the celebrity support, I suppose I, I might say, of the strike? I'm feeling quite good about it, honestly. I, yeah. um, I'm seeing a lot of photos. You know, SAG is such a strong union. They're, mm-hmm. they're such a, 
They've done a really good job over the years of having just a really unified voice, I think, within the industry, at least from my perspective up here in Canada. Uh, I obviously don't know the ins and outs, not being a SAG actor um, internally, but it's from this perspective, they've always seemed to hold strong as a group. And it's it's really lovely to see the Susan Sarandons on the picket lines, and mm-hmm. um, it's and and more. Obviously, there's so many big names that are that are walking in solidarity with everybody, and that's it's heartwarming because everybody had to start somewhere, right? So I think yeah. I think even these big A listers, uh, it seems to me like they're 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 their hearts are going out to these other actors and um and they they recognize the changes that need to happen within their industry and it is their voices mm-hmm. that will be loudest so i'm really glad that they're walking alongside people on those picket lines cool great i'm glad that was also my takeaway as someone who's very much outside the situation um but <laughs> I didn't know if there was maybe some industry talk that was different. So I'm delighted to hear that we can just have warmed hearts. That's such a nice, rare treat in this world. Yeah. (laughs) Potentially. It it sounds like we have a a potential important negotiation coming up here. uh, So we we can relax right now for until tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm really intrigued to hear what the outcome of... uh, of So, Mm. I mean... If you feel comfortable talking about it, yeah, would you would you prefer to wait a year and take the five percent increase? What's um, your feeling on it? My feeling initially was, what are these producers up to? Uh, we shouldn't sure. do mm-hmm. this. It was the actually a very similar reaction to what you two had when I when I mentioned yeah. the deal, and mm-hmm. uh, this is what uh, I mean. I'm I have. I'm a permittee for IATSE 891, and I'm a logbook holder uh, getting my hours in for DGC, which is the Directors Guild of Canada. Mm. Uh, so I, I have my fingers in several several of the unions and guilds up here, and of course, mm-hmm. full member of UBCP. Mm-hmm. And that, so I've been getting feedback and insight from both crew and and actors on this one. And it seems like the majority of the crew are like, yes, absolutely, let's take it because that's going to bring some some stability mm-hmm. up here and it'll bring some productions back to Canada and back to BC specifically. Um, mm-hmm. But then the actors, again, like it's, it's wanting to see that change and wanting to stand uh, in solidarity. They're their first reaction seems to be about the same where it's like, no, like this is just going to undermine them. I don't know how, but it's going to undermine the actors down in the States. But when you really start to break it down, uh, you realize like we're supposed to be going into negotiations uh, within this next year. So our union would just be starting to prepare right now for negotiations Mm. because our contract is up March, 2024. So Mm -hmm. in a little under a year. And we have to enter negotiations, I believe, within 90 days of that date with the producers. Um, But then they could close at any time. Um, And if we can't come to an agreement, that's when we'd have an opportunity to strike. So it's it's not really Mm -hmm. like we don't even have really an opportunity right now, even if we wanted to join them. Um, We have no Mm -hmm. position right now, really. 
there's nothing shooting right. here. So it's not like we're withholding our services because our services aren't being used. So pushing by, yeah, it's, it's a really complex place up here, uh, a situation in BC and we've, mm-hmm. so pushing by that year, I do actually think would be, would be good for us um, mm. because it would give the producers the opportunity to negotiate with SAG and it would give SAG who has the bigger guns than we do um, in this industry. It would give them a chance to really lock down the language around AI and around, or, or let's call it what it is, plagiarism. It is, it is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not AI. It's a program that plagiarizes other artists, plain and simple. Yeah. Really effectively. Really effectively. Really plagiarism effectively. goes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh. it's, oh, it's so frustrating. It makes me angry. Uh, but I will not jump on that soapbox <laughs> quite yet, unless yes, you really want me to. We know it's, we know it's such to? a sticking point. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. And well, and part of it is like, how do we even create the language around this when we don't know what it mm-hmm. is and what it's going to be in five years, in, in 12 right. months even, right? And this is the exact same thing that happened with the streaming services and why we right. got such a crappy deal with the streaming services, because we had no clue what the future held. If we had known mm. that they were going to take over the industry and that cable would basically die and uh, you know feature films would be non-existent in Canada, then then yeah, obviously there would be harder negotiations over that, but we didn't know. And we're in that same position here with AI, but we've learned our lesson and we want to be able to negotiate. But again, how do you do it when you don't know what you're negotiating for? Right. Right. Wow. So so kind of once again, we're in, in Canada, sort of a smaller separate party uh in a big way from this water conversation even in the yeah. timing of when we'll be able to to engage with this so i exactly interesting and wow. in bc uh i think the unions are trying to get rid of this but again part of the bc labor laws there's something in the film industry called safe harbor agreement which means that mm. even if um like i don't know if last year the dgc actually was going to strike but uh, uh, most of the productions in town weren't worried about it because they had signed up with the safe harbor agreement, which means that the workers on those productions weren't allowed to strike. Oh, it's a scabbing agreement. Mm-hmm. Sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's <laughs> Casey, thanks, we're BC. Clear, unlike the politics of the Riverdale Gang <laughs> podcast. <laughs> In case you weren't clear. <laughs> That shouldn't exist. It shouldn't exist, which is why the 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 unions are. I like I said, mm. I believe they're trying to fight that. I don't know right. who's spearheading right. that. I, again, that's mm-hmm. that's a whole. It, but it is yet another issue that is related, mm. not necessarily directly involved. But it, it's it's all these surrounding things in BC. <laughs> <laughs> where mm-hmm. we're kind of like, okay, we need to look at the bigger picture here and right. what is actually going to be best for for us and for the industry here. Um, because honestly, it won't affect 
our brothers and sisters that are striking down in the States too much, if right. at all, right. to be honest. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the principle of solidarity here comes in other actions than striking alongside them. Exactly. The moment. Exactly. Because we don't have the opportunity mm-hmm. to do that. Right. Yeah. It's not, yeah. Have there been conversations about what that solidarity looks like? Like, are there mutual aid funds? That, like, you know, I assume mm. no one's working on the, like, I'm just curious. I don't know if anything has come up in the industry where someone has been mm-hmm. like, aha, here's what we're going to do to help them. That's a fabulous idea. I haven't heard of anything. Um, I, I know that UBCP and uh, the majority of the actors have been quite fixated on this vote that ends today. So sure. we should yeah. know yeah. soon enough as to the outcome. But right. now that you mentioned that, that might be something I might write to the union and just say, hey. Are that, we doing this? Yeah. Could we, could yeah. we do this? I know Why that do this? Th- they're definitely looking at doing a few things over the next few months while it's still really slow in town, um, mm-hmm. some initiatives and stuff. So that might be one yeah. of them that that we could engage in. That's a great idea. I love it. I love it. A lot of a lot of underutilized, underemployed artists around. I mean, Mm -hmm. mutual aid funds are tricky though because none of us have any money. You know, (laughs) we're all been mowing the same twenty dollars back and forth. I mean, but but like, and I know that. I mean, now that I've said that, I'm going to disagree with myself. Like, if someone else (laughs) needs the twenty dollars, eventually the twenty dollars will come back to me so that I can buy something. You know what I'm saying? That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like, if it's the same twenty dollars that moves, it's like whoever is holding the twenty dollars. You know what I mean? But we do live in Vancouver, where it's. Absolutely hilarious. I was just laughing with my mom today where it's like, gosh, $75,000. I remember when my dad started making $75,000 and it was like, Mm. whoa, that's so much money. Holy crap. And now $75,000 is not even a living wage in Vancouver, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's sad. I see your face. I see your face. I'm in a bit of an ex- existential crisis when it comes to to that. I'm considering going into politics and righting some of these wrongs in Vancouver. Hey, let's let's have conversations after the recording. Yeah, okay. That's my jam. I'm curious about that, for sure. I'm curious about that. It is truly fascinating, though, this thing about AI. Ryan and I have been having some conversations about that recently because my I have a corporate job. My boss recently asked me to look into an AI to assist me in my job because according to the people in charge, we can't afford to hire another person, which I think is probably true. Mm. But what happens when we can is my mm-hmm. what becomes my question. You know Ooh, what I mean? Ooh, good question. Um, never reach that. You never reach I mean? that. And threshold. I would imagine that... Um, if AI is utilized in the film industry, it will be to quote unquote fill these gaps. But that's hysterical in this industry when there is so much money. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? And like, and actors are not benefiting from that. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like, uh, I mean, I think the people in this industry who would be affected the most negatively are the background performers. And these are people yeah. who don't work under the best conditions to begin with. You know, I've done background. You get yelled at. You get sh- shuffled around like like sheep um or you know my alberta roots like cows <laughs> just follow each other in a line out along. To, yeah just moo 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 Put moo this clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> and it it's it's 
it's pretty, it can be very grueling work. It, it really can, mm-hmm. especially when you're out in the elements and Vancouver is not the most forgiving when it comes to the rain and um, being drenched. And now also the heat. <laughs> and now the heat. Yeah. Being drenched all night through a night shoot is not nice and wearing practically no clothes, be, you know, even though it's five degrees out, which Celsius, I don't know what that is. 40 degrees? For forty Celsius Fahrenheit. Oh, Fahrenheit. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh, so you're you're talking five in Canadian? Yes, I'm talking <laughs> uh, almost right, yeah. freezing. 40, forty Celsius. Almost yeah, freezing. That's like, that's like forty. That's like okay. forty thirty. Okay. Actually, okay. it might be lower. It might be down near twenty. I'm, I don't know. My, I'm I am half a I'm a dual citizen, but my conversion from centigrade to Fahrenheit is pretty <laughs> terrible. <laughs> this is the PSA for Americans to convert to metric <laughs> and Celsius. <Yeah. laughs> But I, I imagine from Alberta, did your parents also steadfastly stick to Fahrenheit for way too long? That was definitely my farm norms. No. Celsius was a late, a, a late adopted thing out in the boondocks. Interesting. We, we fought it. I, I know a lot. One degrees Fahrenheit in case anyone's curious. <laughs> for me, inches and feet are like how mm-hmm. my brain sees mm-hmm. things. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's. Yeah, I know we, we, I used to hear miles a lot and inches and feet, but it was almost always Celsius Mm -hmm. as far as temperature goes. Interesting. That's interesting. I thought that was my like Canadian slash American upbringing where temperature is all Canadian, but um, is all metric rather. And then uh, same thing, inches and feet for distance or like. Mm -hmm. um, Pounds. Anyway, I, yeah. Pounds. Yes. Pounds for sure. (laughs) Like what's a kilogram? Honestly, I have no idea. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I had one more. I had one more worky question. Yeah. In yeah, my yeah, brain. yeah. Yeah. Um, thinking because uh, I know you. You also produce, uh, mm-hmm. pr- presumably not so much with studio, but a number of of indie projects. Um, uh, a typical fairy tale you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that with that hat on, I know that this negotiation, all of this affects what then you can do as a producer. Um. I'm just curious if you've if you've thought about it with that lens and what what this is going to do to you, to, to your budget budget lines as well. Yes, um, I have thought about this. As an indie producer, we're typically on an ultra low budget to begin mm-hmm. with a, agreement with the unions. So, as mm-hmm. far as if union costs go up, we would still be getting a huge discounted rate on that right. because we'd be making, uh, you know, it would be such low budget because of indie. Um, mm-hmm. As Canadians too, it's, it becomes, it's, it's a different structure in Canada okay. as far as producing goes. So this is why we don't have a lot of mm-hmm. Canadian content because it's right. Our right. hands are, are tied a lot when it comes to um, accessing funding and, Mm. Yeah, it, it's it's hard to produce in Canada. It really is mm-hmm. because mm. we don't have the money up here, the same kind of funds. Uh, but it's very nice that the unions will give us discounts. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> As we should contextualize, ultra low budget is like a, a negotiated legal term. Yes. Ultra low budget. Yes. It's the silliest thing to me. ULB. That we all have ultra low budget <laughs> I didn't know films. that. That's so interesting. Like almost every film I've been 
in some way involved in. I mm-hmm. think that pretty much has been yeah. ultra low budget or close. Yeah. For short films, it's 40000 or less. And for mm-hmm. uh, features, it's 350000 or less. Yeah. yeah. Which feels like a lot of money until you hire 50 people. Well, exactly. And that's, you know, talking to the DGC, the Directors Guild, um, they won't even really bother becoming a signatory or or asking Mm. to become a signatory on a feature until about $750,000. But once you start taking into the amount that you need to pay the DGC members that are working on the film, it's like, okay, well, if I'm a signatory with the DGC, I actually need a budget of like 1.5 million minimum because I need to be able to pay right. these people their wages now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it, so it, funny to me. It's I, tricky. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, it's very tricky. Mm-hmm. It was all I was going to say. Very tricky. It's so funny to me because I'm so used to producing art of any, and of course it's a theater background. It's a different, it's to a certain extent, it's a different animal. Um, but uh, I remember like, years and years and years ago in 2011 someone who I'm friends with whose father was an artistic director on like bigger bigger movies um sort of offhandedly said yeah you know it's so hard to produce an independent movie for less than 10 million these days like you just can't do it and I I remember thinking like I I know some people (laughs) I know some people who who are doing it (laughs) give it to me give it to me I can make five The scale of independent has gone up to the point of 10 million. Yeah. And this is why we've created ultra low budget to yeah. carve out b- well below, 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 below independent, bu- independent budget. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the the Hallmark type movies that shoot up in Vancouver mm-hmm. are like a million, you know. <laughs> yeah. Really quite tight. But yeah. Very tight. Reminder yeah. for the listeners that this is supposed to be our jobs. Yes. Yeah. yeah and like that million dollars is being, if, if I remember what I, if I'm remembering about Hallmark, Hallmark movies correctly, that's like mm. mostly interiors yeah. and it's like, it's mostly like five, act, five to 10 actors really in most of those scenes. Yeah, I mean, and you might, if you're lucky, get a third take. It's usually one for the camera <laughs> right. to get used to their stuff, two, the mm-hmm. actors better have it, and moving on. Like, it's... <laughs> After that, it's a problem. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're shooting mm-hmm. it so yeah. quickly. Like, they, they will shoot some of those yeah. in, like, eight to 12 days, depending on it. And we're talking, like... Right. A, an episode of the X-Files would shoot in eight days way back when. Most most episodic is like an eight to an 11 day shoot for an episode. Mm-hmm. So it's really, oh yeah, gosh, those things. Make a feature at double the length. Oh yeah. Like honestly, the crew on that, on those shows, it's usually newer people to the industry, but they have to work right. so hard and it's usually at a reduced rate because those are a lower budget. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Mm-hmm. And these are the union gigs. Th- that's union. Yeah. <laughs> these are the union gigs. Yeah. This is as good as it gets. <laughs> so that's why we're having strike talk. Woo. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and it's, I mean, I, I really do. I am hoping that SAG will stand strong. You know, I, I, I don't know where it's going to go. I love hearing mm. Fran Drescher talk 
uh, <laughs> I just yeah. have to say, friend Jeshua, my gosh, a friend of mine from Calgary texted me the other day and was like, the nanny is the president of SAG. Yeah, I know. <laughs> a lot of I'm people like, are having that discovery Yes, she month. is. She has been for a while and she kicks ass, okay? That's it's so end benevolent. of story. It's like a sweet, like... Jewish lady Santa is running the show. You know what I mean? Like she's so wonderful. Like, she's just so important and good. Yeah. I just, I love hearing her speak and she's mm-hmm. getting a lot more opportunity to do that. Or at least the, the, the reels are coming up here. <laughs> we weren't getting mm-hmm. to see her speaking as much as we are now. And it's, I, I'm like, keep going, Fran. Yeah. Do it. Mm-hmm. Yes. <sighs> Yep. That's good momentum. Labor yeah. movements, right? Am I right? Labor movements. Yeah. Woo. But it really, I think the fact that there's so many strikes in the news, it, I don't know. It just. I, it's exciting. It, it is exciting. Like, it's hard, you know, like evolving any industry, I think, is hard. And when you can replace people with uh, plagiarism, <laughs> um, <laughs> then. It yeah it it just it's just an interesting moment for answering that question I guess that I brought up earlier does the laborer own their labor and I hope the answer is yes yeah I hope well it's very telling you know all the strikes mm-hmm. going on it's telling it's showing the squeeze that we're in and people just aren't willing to take it anymore they mm-hmm. can't we're at our breaking point a lot of us right it's um, mm-hmm. I don't know like. Should we start a commune and just go live off the grid together? Like, that's my only option <laughs> if, if this that whole was, film thing doesn't come back. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> that was a great joke to make in art school and university with right? my friends as a retirement plan. But it really wasn't supposed to manifest here. <laughs> it is interesting, exactly. like, the level, the level of... Um, I don't want to say dark thoughts, but, and I don't even really want to say desperate thoughts, but the level of this feels like my only option kind of thoughts, I mm-hmm. feel like I've had as the century progresses, mm-hmm. um, have been not necessarily bad. Like the idea of living on a commune with my friends is not a wholly unhappy idea, but it does feel like something is broken. <laughs> it, it really does. Yes, yeah. there's definitely something broken. I think we can. I think we can say that late late stage capitalism has uh, has hit. We're experiencing yeah. it, and I think we're going to find history repeats itself. I wish humans would learn <laughs> from from history, but we don't. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, there's always another chance to learn it. (laughs) (laughs) Will there be with the climate crisis, though? Oh, dear. There's always another chance to learn something. (laughs) It is dark. This is very depressing. essential essential foraging skills, I recommend. (laughs) Basic agriculture is really sick. Yeah, I've been growing an an amazing garden. My leaves are Mm -hmm. like Jurassic size. They're gigantic. (laughs) We are all preparing to feed ourselves really well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh. That's right. Well, on that optimistic note, um, <laughs> I think we've rolled comfortably into bonus episode. So, so, so refreshing to talk to you. This is a very yeah. cathartic yeah. ramble rants uh, yeah. for me. Good. Good. So do, you have any, you. do you have any parting thoughts as we wrap up on anything we've talked about? 
Uh, well, I'm just glad I'm on maternity leave right now because, you know, there's <laughs> there's no work to go back to right now. It's like, okay, well, I'm not too bothered by it. But I really do feel for my my crew and my actor friends here in town. I think that's something that people forget, too, is that we're just – it's such a small community here in Vancouver in the film industry. Mm. Everybody knows everybody. And um, so when one person's hurting, everyone's hurting. Uh, so I, I think that's just something to remember as people look at, at this issue who aren't part of the community is that we, we are, we identify quite, uh, quite a lot as a family and um, sure. sometimes that's a toxic family, <laughs> but what workplace can't be, uh, but it's, it's definitely just keep in mind that, that we're here, we have feelings and we really do need support in general from the outside world. Arts Fantastic. are important. Arts are important. It's like we should pay for them or something. Right? Yeah. Like like we should pay for them. Rates. <laughs> like a living wage. We invest in having arts and artists. Or... Ooh, I should mention too, uh, the average income for an actor in Canada is $11,000 a year. <laughs> wow, you're on par with poets. <laughs> yep. Damn. Right? Yeah. So let me and just leave you with that little little seed. Oh, thank you so much, Annette. Yeah. Um, my absolute pleasure. pleasure. My pleasure, as always. And it's so good to see your faces. Okay, we're back. Yes. Hello, hello. I hope uh, I hope if you listened to it, um, you enjoyed the wonderful conversation we had with Annette Riley, mm-hmm. Diana Spellman, and Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. And now we're going to turn yeah. to this week's episode. Yeah. Um, beauty Queens. This was a completely unexpected episode for me. Hello, and Ethel truly... Mugs. Gift to Shannon Purser. Sure. Yes. Give her a solo, please. You haven't, you, you've been remiss in not doing so. Beautiful so singing voice. Yeah. Really what they showed me today is that they failed her in the past. How much more they failed this character in the past because she was fa- fabulous at the heart of today's story. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and such an important foil and, and counterpoint with Betty. Um, there's a, okay. There's a lot this week. Where do we even start? Yeah, I mean, I it, it is interesting. I think in the last few episodes, we've definitely trended towards losing a bit of the 1950s language mm-hmm. in favor of some slightly more modern conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, a great moment in this episode for me was in Eve- when Evelyn references Midge's pregnancy mm-hmm. and says... It's the worst kept secret in town after the two of you. And she nods to Tony and Cheryl. Mm-hmm. And to me, from what little I know about the 50s, I wasn't alive then. Mm-hmm. Um, but the impression I get of that time is that people did actually know everything, but it wasn't mentionable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't it wasn't permissible to, to have it exist in any real way in, I guess, quote-unquote mainstream or normie spaces. Yeah. Don't rub it in your faces. <laughs> right. So when I say that the conversations were more modern, what I really mean is that the language feels modern to me. I don't necessarily yeah. mean that the, or contemporary rather, the word modern is troubled. Um, the, the way the conversations are happening Yeah, like is talking about objectifying women, I feel like didn't mm-hmm. come into the vernacular 
until after the 50s. Right. I, I, I think the conversation would have felt a lot more real to me if they were using the language of the 50s to get the point across. Mm -hmm. um, but I did really appreciate how they balanced beauty pageants because I think that I think that beauty pageant participants can can and often are feminists mm -hmm. and um, are operating in in a beauty pageant in a feminist way. I, I think that's true. I mean, mm -hmm. we have like we have some great character examples just in this episode yeah. of how to approach that, how to think about that, how to do that. Um, yeah, and I think that um, I, I think that the What's the word I want exactly? I think that the problem of having conversations about feminism is that we can't do feminism outside of the patriarchy because we're living in it still. You know, that right. that doesn't right. change. Yes. So, yes, absolutely beauty pageants, an invention of patriarchy in my view. But so is almost everything. So... Um, I I think that there is a feminist way to exist in patriarchal systems, mm -hmm. and I don't think anyway. I I thought I, and I think that they had that conversation in today's episode. Yes, and I quite, wasn't really nicely. I wasn't really expecting that. Yeah. I wasn't expecting the episode just floored me. I was like, yes. where where are we going? What's Ma happening? Imagine Amek is back with a storm and hiding so many things. Yeah, okay, can I say? Hal's 100% a serial killer, and he murdered Ethel's parents. Either that I, or Ethel's that. his, like, love child or something. Also viable. Um, but yeah. I, given... Oh my gosh, this episode's Alice. And this slow leaking that something worse is happening underneath yeah. this conflict that, that she and Betty have been having. This episode, this is the episode where we realize... Oh, Alice is upset about things and is acting irrationally to Betty. Alice isn't just upset about Betty. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. And what a fab, like, fabulous stroke of television storytelling to just give us that little extra view on the character. This episode, to not put it into focus, except that it is pivotal to the decision-making of our characters. And it puts this question of, of Alice's actions at the heart of where we, the viewer, are wrapping up this story and sets us up. Yeah, there's so there's so much that's juicy about it, like her wanting and also not wanting Betty to participate, but clearly she does. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, just the, the family dynamics, I think, in addition to the juicy plot that we're not quite getting is, yes. is really fun. The hinted at... It was really good, and it, I felt like it was well contained on plot. This ep this episode, like it, it it felt very um, on story, rather than some of the episodes are very ensemble A plot B plot C plot, looping around. Mm, and I think true. we kind of we kind of stayed with telling one big story in uh, through a lot of this episode. Yeah, um, a lot of Ethel's story. Yeah, as yeah. seen by Betty, almost Betty's kind of in a witnessing position here. In a lot of ways. I yeah. liked it. She is an agent, though, of change. Um, mm -hmm. Or of the plot, at any rate. I, I, mm. Should we jump in? Let's jump in. I feel like we're talking forward. Uh, yeah. Well, everything else will come together on the screen for us. So, gang, uh, if you're watching along, time to sync up with the Netflix Badoom, or I don't know what non-Netflix places play. 
the commercial before your recording of the CW. Oh, yeah. In, uh, this. Well, three, well, I thought two. One. Press. Badoom. Yeah, DVR still exists. Technology rapidly changing. Oh, yeah, we start with this stuff. This is interesting. I feel, um, yeah. This is this button on this episode is really fun. It's stretched over three episodes and like a slow reveal. So next next week, I think um, so there's there's summaries for two more two more weeks out, and they do mention Betty working to write a book. Clearly, the advice column path, um, which is a real continuation of a lot of plot from earlier in the season. Um, like it it. It's a new step, but Betty's, it's a, it, I think it's a natural progression on Betty's journey here mm-hmm. of communication and, um, sidebar. I love that she's just stretching while reading this. Yeah. Like I, I have never related more to something. That's true. You stretch and do other things at the same time. Quite frequently re- while recording podcasts. I wonder if we're going to get any of Evelyn's backstory in this version of the world because mm. she's so embittered. Which I know is a, tr- yeah. a complicated word to apply to women, but I do truly mean it. She seems like there's a bitterness yes. in her in her character. Yes, yes, yes. I quite Gosh, agree. This little moment, the the moments where they comment on and my positionality in this mm. is like I felt extra a flu flu in this a flu flu in this <laughs> because I'm non-binary, but this these relationships between women and beauty and not seeing mm-hmm. yourself reflected in ideals of beauty. That moment where Tony looks up and looks around at all the white girls reading magazines about white teens. Mm-hmm. And Ethel sitting here drawing this like thin, yeah. this Tall thin, beautiful, like standard of beauty. When I, what I say, when I, what I mean when mm-hmm. I say beautiful there is standard of beauty, beautiful. Yeah figure the model idea like it's just like they this episode is full of moments like that and it's just i mm. heartrending for me it's so familiar some of it is so familiar mm-hmm. um mm. i had a birthmark when i was growing up on my face quite a sizable one and i really felt like very outside of that mm. and um i was very touched by the way they handled this and this that in this episode right well i i was quite struck by the unspoken categorization of who is and isn't right for this. Yeah. Like that's, you know, I, I think it, it partially, I think it's a, a symptom of Hollywood casting in general that I sometimes have trouble clocking um, who's supposed to be hot and who isn't in right. especially U.S. influenced media. Um, and it wasn't. This nicely grounded itself outside of my ideas of hot into yeah. a real conversation of self-perception and confidence and aspects of appearance that are arbitrary genetic exterior. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There was a lot of that in this episode. I just wanted to flag very quickly this um, designer that uh, Mm -hmm. Veronica mentions, for anyone who doesn't know, um, won Mm -hmm. eight Academy Awards for costume design between 1940-something and 1973. She's a big, big deal. It's a shame that the swimsuit section gets cut. (laughs) um, Why? 
because this designer made Veronica a swimsuit. So oh, she specifically a swimsuit. Oh, <laughs> I didn't notice that. But um, yeah, this woman designed for Betty Davis, Olivia de Havilland, Elizabeth Taylor, Joan Fontaine, Audrey Hepburn, Grace Kelly, like mm-hmm. big, big mm-hmm. Rosemary mm-hmm. Clooney, one of the yeah. uh, um, George Clooney's aunt. You know, it's just so you know, she was a big deal. She was very, very cool. Veronica's name dropping. Veronica's name dropping. Um, Anyway, so they all give these reasons why they are interested in being a part of this beauty pageant. Mm -hmm. And um, reasons that I've heard people give about why they compete in beauty pageants. Mm -hmm. I I feel like this this conversation could have felt very contrived, but they deliver it. Um, Something about the delivery of this this, um, group of women... um, I guess each kind of delivering their their take. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it, yeah, it did feel very real, like friends sitting around mm-hmm. having that chat. Totally. And finally, we're remembering Midge is pregnant. Yeah. At the worst possible time for Midge. <laughs> Just as she gets to. Yeah, it has been a good way to give a sense of how little time has gone past, though, because she's not yes. showing it. Yeah. Yeah, she's we know about three months in. We know how tight the whole season is supposed to be. We're in the same blip of time. We're in the same eph- ephemeral high school moment. Yeah. Yeah. I it's interesting, this little storyline. Their their relationship is quite sweet. Um but I I mean, I don't I don't know. I just I'm I'm curious about where this storyline is going to go. Mhm. Midge and anywhere. It it shares beats of some of our big past um kind of social societal plot points. Um I guess that's true, yeah. Uh race and class and a woman's agency. Um and all of that is clearly coming to a head with our wider ensemble cast who are now shown invested shown friends with her and shown to be discussing the issues around what's happening to Midge. Um, I feel like we're getting a real good justice for Midge season here. Um, the fact that she gets to be with Fangs, just mm, fine choice. I hope she revolutionizes the sisters of quiet mercy. (laughs) She could just burn it all down. Gosh, I wonder if women in institutions like that who go there are forced to go there because they become pregnant are allowed mm. to become nuns. Mm. I w- or I wonder if that even precludes you from, right. oh my gosh, look at this. It's an irrelevant <laughs> question to anything. It just occurred to me. I don't. Did you see this like ancient 50s recipe she's making with no. the cheese slices? Oh, what that's brilliant. Doing? What kind of... Deli Crazy 50s monstrous. casserole. Yeah, casserole is that. <laughs> I don't want to pull the temple down. It'd be nice to win that scholarship money. I wonder... I wonder about this because I feel like there were other narratives about women going to college at this point. We do get a little of that with Mary Andrews. Yeah. And the dress fitting. We do. But in this, within the context of this scene, this character, this Alice, um, we find out what she's let go of, dreams-wise. Like we've, I feel like we're seeing an extraordinarily smart Alice, who is 
20 years into the find out period mm-hmm. of consequences. But so, 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 I want to say emotionally smart, even though this is about an emotional logogram of these two women. Um, like the way her and Betty banter, banter subtext, not even, not even subtext, but banter, banter indirect blows back and forth in, it's not really, it's not even an argument. It's just this constant, Mm. it's, it's, it's this abrasion that they've got. Yeah. There's no actual fight to solve right now. No, I think there's sort of a difference in values, really. I think that's sort of where a lot of the abrasiveness come from comes mm-hmm. from. You know, Betty's mm-hmm. discovering the world and evaluating it. And Alice has to guide these girls through the process. And, yeah, and Alice is She's also working f- on an outmoded mm-hmm. set of rules, I guess. I don't know. I think Alice is also full of regrets. Yeah. And that biases your advice a little bit. And I don't yeah. I don't even know necessarily that Alice is full of like practical regrets. I think she just married a serial killer. Uh, yeah, or something. <laughs> something happened. I wonder if there's still a chick somewhere in the background. Oh, that's Charles. that's a good question. I mean, yeah, Alice recognizes that glow and knows exactly what happens to pregnant young women. Ooh, yeah. And she's internalized that script. She may have deeply internalized that script. Hmm. I love how... Um, <laughs> Tony with the book. Tony still has a little bit of swagger, even with the book. The leather. She's a little more like, I'm too cool for this. I know better <laughs> than this silly book. This whole time, I just like wanted to give practical advice about engaging your core and bending your knees like in lieu of every single non-meaning thing alice is saying like alice is giving them no instructions that except for euphemism yeah i guess so (laughs) literally nothing to go on here what do i change in my body i don't know be perfect (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Beautiful. I think there would have been a little bit more, um, hold your back like this, hold your hands like this, hold your, you know. Mm-hmm. I suppose it probably doesn't film quite as well, but that's definitely, I want to see the movement workshop in television. Is There's a great normal? moment actually in, um, I don't know if this moment happened or not. And here we get Ethel's fantasy. Fabulous. Um, with these sort of outrageous costumes yeah actually that is not contemporary at all that dress she's in she's a wild dress yeah i love it it's also that yellow just always makes me think of beauty and the beast yeah um what was i going to say just now shoot before ethel's fantasy or ethel's fantasy oh there's a wonderful scene in the crown obviously i have Mm -hmm. no idea if this is historically accurate Mm -hmm. moment or not but princess diana's grandmother who's also a member of the aristocracy is teaching her how to like get ready to do speaking engagements. Mm-hmm. And in the in the scene, again, I don't know mm-hmm. if any of this is real, Princess Diana is talking with her hands, and her grandmother finds a string somewhere and ties her hands to her. Right, 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 and right. 
and she becomes this stance that's very recognizable if you've ever seen images yeah. or film film footage of Princess Diana. So right. the, the, those shows are out there. Yeah. Okay. Here we Good. go. Let's the go back to The postural coaching is there for me. Um, <laughs> the type of necklace that Ethel is wearing is one of my favorite types. I love necklaces mm. that have a thin strand at the back and then become more full mm-hmm. as they uh, get close to the clavicle. Ugh. So good. Um, Her hair up looks fantastic in the tiara. This, there was a little... I didn't know how I felt. I don't, I've never known how to feel about the choice for Ethel to have this unrequited crush on Jughead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know. I just don't know how to feel about it. I always get a question mark and I don't really know why. It's not an attractive or likable trait in a lot of ways. Um, uh, like, like as, as, a, as, no, as a viewer, I think it's uncomfortable in some ways. To, for someone to, to have an unrequited crush. Yeah, to sit you with know, that. Maybe that's what it is, yeah. Both knowing, knowing, you know, the conversations the show is trying to have, um, but also I think, like, it's it's a really uncomfortable just thing in reality to be, to, to sit through. Um, and it's, I think, given that it's such a root trope of comic Ethel, I think choosing to explore that as a character beat more richly and in a way that is hopefully more fulfilled than don't worry, you'll get over it, more fish in the sea or any other filmic sized moral about dealing. Um, like <laughs> Sorry, Evelyn there. Ever never wouldn't vote for a woman. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, carry on. Yeah. Um, no, it's gone now. It's all Evelyn. Yeah, I, it's an interesting thing. I think I think you might be right. I think I just feel so. I just feel sad for her. I have been the yeah. the yeah the girl asterix with the unrequited crush. Gosh, this moment is so relatable for me. Mm. This is so relatable for me. Hemming the gowns. Oof. You're just so beautiful. Which is the matter. Yeah. Oh, I'm enjoying this episode more. On I'm 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 leaning. I'm feeling the empathetic vibe all the more this time through. Like there's there's a nice snappiness to this dialogue, but I'm like sitting in the tragic feelings of being a teenager this pass through. Yeah. <laughs> oh. You know I expecting a slightly different outcome right before this moment which was that Mm -hmm. mary would be like would protect midge Mm -hmm. that's what i was expecting Mm -hmm. it seems like a marriage thing to do and yet again mary doesn't get to notice yeah (sighs) i enjoyed the way the plot contrivances were cobbled together to put the the multiple reversals and twists that have to happen for this all to work and work well for Ethel to compete, for Ethel to win. Yeah. There's... Um, you it's, know, it's interesting. I They dance around the fact that the ideal that they're not saying is thinness. They they really dance around it in this episode, and I wonder mm-hmm. if that's intentional, that mm. that wouldn't be 
mentionable in quite the same way. Mm-hmm. And like, let me be clear on what I'm saying here. Shannon mm-hmm. Purser is a smoke show. Yeah. <laughs> Take it from the bisexual. <laughs> she is a smoke show. Um, that doesn't change the fact that patriarchal norms of beauty mm-hmm. include thinness. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that that is never said, especially in a show that has dealt with other mm. prejudices so um, bluntly. Right. So frankly, maybe is a better way of putting it. It's sort of, gosh, this is a great moment, this oh. scene between Midge and Alice. the horrors of the middle class white woman. Oh um, my gosh, that caught feeling the way the camera pull she's just a child no fibbing please oh Oh, poor midge um anyway it surprised me that they Mm -hmm. they didn't articulate that in in a more specific way right that felt unfair to the character not to name what's broken here Mm -hmm. i guess wrong maybe someone in the writing room maybe the actor herself said like i don't really want the storyline to be about that mm-hmm. that part of what makes this character inappropriate by the standards that is are set. Mm-hmm. And I, I, yeah, like I want to look at the wider picture than than reducing it to weight as a single dynamic as well because uh, you know Ethel is very tall and is seen frequently standing taller than her the other students. Mm-hmm. Um, there's. Like, there's a very specific thinness, fatness dynamic. Mm -hmm. But I feel like reducing that, there's a risk of also saying, here, this is, this is fat. Right, that's true. isn't appropriate. Again, nothing can take place outside of a patriarchal system and outside of patriarchal norms. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard to articulate. Yeah. Anything respectfully, really. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Patriarchy makes things suck. Long-standing recurrent motif. It's amazing that Evelyn is sitting there, which I love that they. And also, sorry, one mm-hmm. thing I love in here is the gap in Betty's knowledge. Mm-hmm. She's done so mm-hmm. much sort of personal researching about sex and sexuality. Right. And she's like, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, how did it ha- how did it happen? Like once? What what detail did I miss? You goon from Saskatoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will also going back to that, like, yes, I made this comment about Shannon Purser being mm-hmm. a smoke show, mm-hmm. but also it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter who's a smoke show and who isn't. Yeah. Com- because the, because we have value out- internal. Yeah, that, and also we have internal. value outside of our looks. The end. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyone? Which is yeah. a good. Which is a good. Um, I think. Edge of the conversation to bump into while on the beauty pageant episode. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that they explicitly name how inappropriate it is to have two faculty members of the school judge. Judge their bathing suits. Yeah, judge their students' bathing dear, suits. Dear God. Dear God. Things that ugh, we shouldn't have Who said. let you sit with us? <laughs> so good. I was fully expecting this to escalate to the point of, like, someone pouring something over Evelyn. <laughs> like, she's being so horrific. Right. I really liked the forced interaction vibe. Like, they're all in a class together. 
They're yeah. all in a play together. They're all in a skit together. They're all in a dance together. They've got to sit together. Like, this is the, well, we've been forced together and we're too exhausted to get away from each other. Is <laughs> what I'm feeling. And I love it. It felt very yeah. familiar to that, that era of life. That getting thrown with clumps of people. Quite randomly. Yeah. It is interesting. Um... Alice criticizes Betty for her grandstanding and mm-hmm. I don't forget the other word she uses. It's not gaslighting. Something or other in grandstanding. You're mm-hmm. do-gooding maybe in grandstanding. Mm-hmm. And we do see Betty in other episodes yeah. noticing that other people experience sad stuff that she doesn't. And yeah. then being like, I'm going to help. Yeah. We, that's, that comes up a lot for this character. You're right. That's a Betty pattern. Absolutely. Um, Both showing that going well, this episode, despite all odds. Yeah. Um, But then putting those seeds in tension, I think think it's going to tie back to serial killer hell. All ties back to serial killer hell. Yeah, maybe. Arguably, in 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 retrospect, making Betty's dad serial killer is one of my favorite weird season one details. (laughs) Just why not? That was in season one. Season two. Oh, God. Well, oh, I mean, my... guess technically right at the end. <laughs> it was season two. Oh. Am I ready for a rewatch oh, of Riverdale? Yeah. Surely not. Oh, yeah, because he shot Fred. I've seen all of these episodes like what? three or four times, except this season I've only seen them. It doesn't matter. Um, This. Why did he shoot Fred? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. Um. Again, with this Beauty and the Beast color. Oh, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. just so... Mm, it reminds mm. me of, like, childhood. Um, Alice is so off off kilter. Yes. Um, I just wanted to say quickly, we get a sense of their age in that conversation with Fangs that we yeah. just talked through. Because yeah. Tony's like, no, you're going to make it big as a musician, yeah. and then it won't matter. Yep. And that's such an adolescent, like, you're going to be famous, so they won't care. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, as a finite end goal thing. Yeah. And it hasn't happened. You know, the magic hasn't happened yet. I love that mm-hmm. she won't take this coffee from Dilton. <laughs> what, poor Dilton. Dilton's like, okay. Oh, there's the good posture standards mm. and how to achieve it. Lower abdomen in. The set designers knew I wanted it. <laughs> I love that she gives Dilton a little wave. It's such a sweet. <laughs> it's just, just authentically enjoying moment. this, like, high femme activity yeah yeah i love that dilton was game for this too yeah like, yeah go ahead and assist mrs cooper on that dilton seems great dilton's been a fantastic addition this season featuring him more heavily has been delightful wow you are awful you protect the office of miss riverdale teen queen i did get a hint of a vibe that just, just a hint, just a hint from Alice here that she honestly does believe she's protecting Ethel. Yeah. From what would have happened. Also, it's very risky in Riverdale to say over my dead body because <laughs> that can be arranged by some character on this show for sure. <laughs> Possibly some character on this show has thought it. <laughs> Not about Alice specifically, but I mean about anybody about anybody. <laughs> about everybody. Death isn't real and the points don't matter. Mm-hmm. Riverdale! Time is a flat circle. That's what oh. we said last week or two weeks. Two weeks ago. 
this is such a good fight. Yeah. They're so wonderfully, believably frustrated with each other. Like, I'm, I'm, yeah. And he even stabs her foot. It's so good. It's so young. Um, Ryan had a moment with the set here. Yeah. Um, yeah. my mom is nuttier than a Christmas fruitcake. I think I've heard that expression, like live in my life. Mm. Imagine what winning would do for her. Which practical. Um, practical. They do raise the, you know, the specter, the 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 um, the promise of running away to any school that you want, because even yeah. you know that's that's. A real con- negotiating where you get to go to school. Is yeah, a, is and if she wins this car, she could sell it, and then she'd have some money. Oh, a lot of money. Some money and a scholarship, and if she goes to this screen test, maybe she'll become a character actor. Mm-hmm. You know, bring Veronica to the screen test with you. Mm-hmm. Play it up. You've got connections. Oh, I think being a character actor in this generation would have been really fun. They had great small parts for women character actors in mm-hmm. this generation of filmmaking and like yes it was limiting mm-hmm. yes it wasn't the cool fun stuff yes some of it was sexist but just i'm thinking of people like the receptionist in white christmas mm-hmm. um like just got to do some really fun stuff or the um the assistant in all about eve anyone who's seen those movies knows what no knows what i'm talking about yeah i would have loved yeah. that job yeah. Sorry, yeah. I just went on like a film history <laughs> deep dive there. Not even a deep dive, just a little shallow dive. We're living in the 50s. Anyway, so here's Veronica ready to manipulate her best friend's father. Fantastic. Which I'm sure we've all tried at some point. <laughs> all tried to manipulate both our parents and our friend's parents. <laughs> I appreciate that Betty knows, chooses to delegate, takes the advice, and Veronica delivers. Listen, this actor looks really great in, or he really suits the clothes mm. from this generation. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And the way they've got his hair, like it's very, it's very in, in era and I really like it. Yes. It feels very natural. He really truly looks like a beleaguered <laughs> dad slash a beleaguered show dad. Yes. <laughs> my two babies are stressful. <laughs> so my wife's raising one of them. The other one is my job. <laughs> Unfortunately, the wife and I mixed up who I was supposed to do what, so <laughs> no one's raising anything around Betty Cooper anymore. Ooh. Just a nice, fast-talking conversation. Could you imagine if they'd all dropped out and it had just been Evelyn and Ethel in this competition? Oh. 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 I can't decide if that would have been good or not. No. <laughs> Sounds I, like a nightmare. I don't think Ethel would have enjoyed that nearly yeah, as I think much. I, Ethel would have also left, and then it just would have been Evelyn awkwardly accepting everything, and everyone just, like, not speaking to her for the rest of the school year. Just in her entry dance, she would walk up and take the crown. Yep. (laughs) Uh, When did it become common to say, in conversation with people, that's sexist? When did that happen? I associate the emergence of the word sexism with a lot of the social discourse of the 60s and and yes, that period right. of feminist discourse i don't think it really would have been terribly comprehensible in a, in actual 55 but i'm not sure if the word existed it's a nosy brenda star 
Ah, there's something so big here that is going on that is stressing Alice out that she's helping cover. It's a murder. Yeah, unless she's just talking about the fact that she shipped her off to the Sisters of Quiet Mercy. I doubt it. Yeah, I think... Well, this this episode made me realize just how much special interest Alice has been consistently taking in Ethel. Consistently. Since the murder. And it has become conspicuous. Poor Ethel. What an awkward position to be Ugh. in. Ugh. Not a nightmare. Ugh. Staying with your friends because you're an orphan with no home. And nuns are the other option. And those friends' parents sent you to nuns last time. What? Yeah. Also, she writes music, apparently. Yeah. So this is the only section that the guys are in. And I have to say this. I so I vacillated between delight and deep irritation with the sequences <laughs> with the guys. Like, what's he, what's he, was he, like, popping a champagne cork? Like, what was he doing in there? He runs out, putting his pants back on. Peeing? It's just such an awkward moment. That's a fair point. Like, a brief sense of urgency, and there's there's a heightened goofiness to all of them. And I I don't... I guess Mm -hmm. this sort of would have been, like, a very mild... um, Like, very mild OnlyFans watching this. Mm. Yeah, I suppose. As a guy... That's a straight guy, maybe? Maybe? And it's all... It it is all the people you know. Yeah. It was very... Yeah. Chance to see them in a bathing suit. This this season has done a good job of contextualizing what risque was and could be at the time. This is... uh, Yeah, I just found... I didn't find it 100% believable. Mm -hmm. But I also thought that some of the moments were really funny. I don't know. Mm. Also, is this show believable? No. Well, the whole, all, everything in this pageant walk is so wonderfully stylized. Yeah, and this um, live singer who is, of course, Kevin and sounds wonderful. The contrast with these goofy high school boys. Mm-hmm. I think it's the, I think that's kind of the contrast we were meant to see in their exaggeratedness. It's goofy, goofy boys. Yeah. Miss Ethel Muggs. Oh my gosh, this, like... Beautiful gowns. Yeah. Evening gowns. I gotta say, this dress on Evelyn is, it's a really beautiful piece of costuming. Like, she just looks breathtaking. She is dressed for her villain turn. Yeah. Oh, God, this yellow that they've got Shannon Purser in, it's so, like, <laughs> innocent and buttery. Like, I don't know. There's buttery. Some, uh, yeah. There's some, I love a yellow. Veronica looks, looks yeah. like herself. I yes. think she's the only character on that stage Great who looks choice. like herself. I really didn't like this dress that they put Tony in. I thought it was mm-hmm. fun putting her in a bit of something that kind of looks like leather, but isn't. Mm-hmm. Some serpent colors. And some serpent colors, yeah. I just yeah. didn't... Also, is that microphone tinted pink? Yeah. The whole world's tinted pink, tinted yeah. pink in that screen. Gosh, I would love to see the outtakes of Alice. <laughs> the shots of Alice trying to watch the beauty pageant and just looking into the camera and giggling. That's got to exist. <sighs> of course, I called that it would be the creepy psychiatrist being one of the judges. So it's mm-hmm, the creepy mm-hmm, principal, mm-hmm. the creepy baron of the town, <laughs> and the psychiatrist. Cheryl's this father. Is a nightmare. Host, 
the host children, the judges' children are all in this pageant. Like, what even is this? Um, Veronica doing tightrope. Tightrope, of course. I, lo- I love me a good we're not showing it gag. Yeah. I, uh, that's so ridiculous. I can't believe we saw that on commercial break. Yes. It's hokey cute. I like the tie they've got him in. Oh, more yellow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, on him, too. Can you tell I'm excited about yellow? <laughs> um, just great, because this all would have been black and white, too, at the time. Gosh. They're just... That's true. They're only yeah. dressed for light or dark tone. She really has a beautiful singing voice. And you mentioned mm-hmm. the first time we watched this that she's, like... And you thought it was a choice for the song, a mm. little shaky to start. Yeah. And then get stronger. Yeah. And not even, like, I want to say that there's, there's like, a B-movie trope arc of start shaky, get powerful. And I think that is even more softened here. Again, mm. again like the, the monologues a few episodes ago, I feel like we're seeing a young person perform first before they put the polish on. And they establish her as a good singer by normal person standards before um, surrealing, surrealizing it. Surrealizing. I don't know if that's a word. I'm in love. <laughs> yeah, Reggie Ethel. Please. Yeah, I think I, there was I, moments like that I found not super believable because I don't. There's there's a really intense reservedness to straight men now mm. in terms of expressing, oh gosh, I think I'm in love. Like and that may not have existed in this era. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm. I say that like Like we remember? Well that, but also like gay men and bisexual men aren't also reserved because of homophobia. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All of men are reserved because you specified straight men. I no, that's what I mean. Yeah. I mean also yeah. Sometimes men are reserved because toxic masculinity. What do you do? Yeah. But I, yeah. You burn it down. That's the answer. <laughs> we go carry on Very this. Very political tonight. <laughs> tonight? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and there they they start to mix her like a, like a, like a film, filmic character. This is very like. Late 80s, early 90s power ballad. It is. Which it is. is not in era, but it was still beautiful. I still think we're we're taking the Gre- Grease approach to yeah. everything. That's true. I liked the detail of the of the girls all wearing gloves. Or yes. at least Ethel. Yes. I love how Clay's like crying. <laughs> um, <sighs> and the judges are all like, oh, she's a fan favorite. So who's buying tickets to these pageants? I always I wonder who the audience is at those things. pageants. I know, especially when the kids are really young. <laughs> who is going to that? I presume it's one of Ooh. those everyone's parents are the audience situation I more than not. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> Betty's delivery of the Gettysburg address. <laughs> oh my god. I want to know what the other ones did, though. I want to know what Cheryl did. I want to know what mm-hmm. Tony did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to know what mm-hmm. Evelyn did. Yeah, I really, actually, I really do want to know what Evelyn did. I, I don't need to know more about Evelyn. I don't need her to have any reveals or twists at this point. Oh, I'm loving. I'm curious about her. I'm loving. I'm like, I will accept those things happily. But just as this vindictive side, as a side person, I yeah. love her presence. Yeah. 
uh, and what she interjects. Um, we like Cheryl too much for her to be that mean in, in that way. Yeah, and also she won't hold hands <laughs> with him. So good. That's such a good moment. Uh, I almost wanted her to win just to see what that plot would be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But this is better. Yeah. I I am thrilled by this power move that Alice makes here. And this is what convinces me it's not it's bigger stakes that we don't, don't know yet. I one yes, absolutely. Uh, one thing I did really like about the boys' reaction and Kevin's reaction off stage mm. and the audience is the power of fan favorites and things like this. Because yeah. I think the the mainstream iteration of this mm-hmm. is like the X Factor. Mm-hmm. Or America's Got Talent. Yeah. And yeah. fan favorites become really important on those shows. And mm-hmm. this sort of small, small scale of like yeah. people rooting for Ethel, she's become a fan favorite is is very fun. It's a really organic thing that happens at these single in-person competitions too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It happens with art. We get touched. I I guess. Maybe there's also just not a lot going on you in small me 50 towns. Cents. You owe me 50 cents. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, you know, you're the expert between the two of us. Oh, and that lovely little wipe. Dang. Circle wipe. And uh, you know what? I lied. We do have B-plot. It's Midge. We do have B-plot. It's Midge and Fangs. Oh, man. Look at this ancient telephone. This is so fun. It's such a good find. Honey bun. Uh, the sweet franticness. Yeah. I'm kind of enjoying these older people playing teenagers in love more than I was enjoying, in, in many ways, more than I was enjoying teen people who were pretending are actually teenagers in love. Yeah, it is fun. <laughs> I, I, I can't decide what it is about this storyline that's not quite doing it for me. Midge and Fangs? Because I like both these characters a lot. I think it was fun to pair them together. I think mm-hmm. the facts of the plot are really fun. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just, I'm curious to see what happens, maybe, is a better way of putting that. Right, right. Yeah, it also, my, yeah. also, like, 2023 20, version of me is like, don't get married! <laughs> don't get married! You're 16! <laughs> but, like... It's a different Ar- time. Yeah, arguably that, like that's that seems to be their goal. That's a I reasonable was just goal. Just going to get some milk because there's no more milkman. <laughs> oh, Alice is so dead inside here. I love it. Are that these two separate scoff. shots? I don't think so. Okay. No, no, I think they're together. Um, like they could have been split. Uh, based on how that was blocked. But I don't think they were. Mm-hmm. We're not only really only in in plague reasons that they have bothered with that. I think, and I'll, I think um, Lily Reinhardt and Maginamic have such good scene chemistry together. They truly do. Um, and it is really only built and grown. It's been fabulous. Yeah, they look like they're having fun. Yes, they really do. Yeah. They certainly seem to feed off of each other in scenes together. Their performances are very complimentary. Which is telling. Ethel is going to 
rude, broken, and hopeless. Ethel's Ethel's been through a lot. Ethel's been through a lot. The whole orphan thing might have more consequences when she's not a minor. Or like a different set of consequences that Alice is considering. That Betty is considering. They're talking scholarships. But when Alice talks about the ruin, I do wonder how much of that is like the daunting reality of orphanage. It's interesting. She really needs to have control over Betty. Yes. She says, maybe I did it for this reason. Or maybe I did it just so you wouldn't win. You'll never know. And then she says, you know, this happened to Ethel because of me, not mm-hmm. because of you. And mm-hmm. Betty pulls out the ultimate power move here, which is, yeah. speaking as a parent, we really do want our children to think that we're lovable and we're good people. Mm-hmm. I already want that. And I was 13 months old. <laughs> oh, and we just and it gets to her. That. Yeah. It's a good shot and a great reaction. It's, um, it feels like a continuation of the relationship in seasons past mm-hmm. in a really weird way because chronology is broken, but thinking about the, um, next normal musical episode as, as if it were the moment before this, yeah, as if it were the character beat before this. Also, um, Polly's coming back next week. Oh, fun. Yeah. All right. Oh, also, not to get to get too far ahead, but Josie, Josie McCoy, Josie I'm McCoy. Excited. They're doing weeks. the greatest hits of people who've been on Riverdale. I would imagine is right. Oh, look mm-hmm. at Evelyn's face in this picture. So sweet, oh, man. And it's one with Midge in it too. Yeah. That was such a sweet beat. That was such a sweet. Ugh. Yeah, the that those were good bookends. She comes back to the experience of mm-hmm. all women. Mm. But huh. we've got this big cloud hanging over us, and it's named Hal Cooper. Is the cloud getting worse? We only have five episodes left. Five episodes left. The when next... are you gonna pop, Riverdale? Or so... Are you just gonna have a pleasant time? <laughs> I and think end it in the middle of pleasantness. That would be a bizarre choice. Just never acknowledge the conflict ever again, and just carry I mean, on. The power moves that this show has <laughs> undergone with my. I don't know, Ryan. I'm I'm invested and committed, and I have bought what they're selling. Yeah. Five more episodes, gang. Sure have. No hiatuses, I think. I think no more maybe. Hiatuses. I'm That's not why you're sure. getting such a long episode this week. Yeah, we were going to interview hiatus, but nope. It's just straight on Riverdale through the to the end. Sure is. August twenty third. Blah. Blah. Okay. Well, more next week then, gang. More. Next- Tough for now. Oh my goodness, tough for now.